Hey guys, so just wanted to let you know that we have a screening of the Kiss the Ground movie coming up at our farm on October 11th. So I hope that you can join us there and check it out. We're actually working towards our regenerative agriculture farm ourselves. So it's a great time to come out, talk to us, join us. If you're not local, you know, have your own screening. But just wanted to let you know before you start this podcast that um, there's a huge opportunity for you to come out and join us. And we're really excited about it. All right. Thank you. So a lot of folks think about when you want to take CO2 out of the atmosphere, a lot of folks talk about not using fossil fuels. Right. And that's, a, of course, a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. However, when you destroy soil, uh, that traditional farming practices do, mm -hmm. intensive farming practices do, that releases carbon that should be stored within the soil as well. And so I think it's a paradigm shift for folks to not only think about not using fossil fuels, but to think about how their food is grown and produced. Mm. And so carbon sequestration is the more carbon in the, in the atmosphere, the hotter it's going to get basically is the thing to, to think about. And so that's, what's a major contributor to climate change. Right. And so the more carbon that we can sequester in the soil, the less that there's going up into the atmosphere. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life Podcast, where we believe that life is a schoolhouse. Totally. We're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling, homesteading, natural health care, plant medicines, natural childbirth, healthy eating, meditation, creative endeavors, overall self-sufficiency for the whole family. Oh, and don't forget self-development and spirituality. Oh, of course. Key players. We hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't, try things that could make your life better, and mostly, we want to encourage you to never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too. Hey friends, it's me, Lacey. I am super excited to be here today. I am talking with Hannah Eislafel from Table Bluff Farm. She is in Northern California, correct? And yes. hopefully, I didn't ask yes. you, but hopefully you're not under fire right now, right? Nothing's burning on your farm? No, we're not. Okay, good. Okay, good. No, we're right at the coast, so we're okay. Okay, good. But our thoughts do go out to everyone who is dealing with those wildfires right now. That's a massive issue, particularly for farmers, I know, um, and for any homeowner, of course. But um, but anyway, so we're excited to talk to Hana of Teobla Farm. It's a regenerative farm, and she does a lot of really cool things on her farm. It's a woman-owned farm, which I think is particularly exciting. And if you don't know what regenerative means, there's all these terms when we talk about farming. You know, we, we hear organic, we hear permaculture, we hear regenerative. I feel like we keep adding layers, right? Of, of words for people to try to understand. And that's just because the FDA is chasing us everywhere, right? Or the, the, the really commerce in general. And so we have to keep redefining what's the best thing. And, and we also are learning. So I'm excited to learn about that a little bit more with all of you today. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. Before we start talking about your farm specifically, I would really love to hear your backstory about, you know, how you grew up, were you a farmer as a child, and how did you even come into farming? I know that it, um, your first generation farmers. So this is going to be fun. I think there are a lot of people out there who are really interested and intrigued in the idea of homesteading or farming, getting back to the land. So share with us, how did that happen for you? So uh, I grew up in Southern California uh, in the mountains and then at the beach. So I had kind of a taste of both and I did not have any farming in my background um, or farmers. And, uh, but I did have an intense love of animals and an intense love of the environment. And I uh, went to UC Santa Cruz and went, got my bachelor's in environmental studies. 
with an emphasis in biology. Mm-hmm. And after that, I it was in 2008, so it was a really tough time to get a job mm-hmm. in that particular market, especially. Research science was not really a, a thing <laughs> that, that they were investing too much in. And so I, I moved around, did a few odd jobs, including working at an inn, working at a university uh, online. Mm-hmm. And eventually I settled in uh, Humboldt and met my partner, Nick, mm-hmm. and he just had a couple sheep. And so sheep was my first introduction to farming and having these sheep and actually helping determine that the both sheep were not, in fact, males, that yeah. one was a female and one was a male. And we caught them and wrangled them and, and, and found out. That was my introduction to farming. And uh, from there, we bought a few chickens, mm-hmm. bought some duck, bought a pig. You really went backwards and just here. Started. Most people start with poultry. right jumped right in you were like yeah the birthing of baby lamb I mean that's a big deal when you haven't even had chickens yet oh my goodness yeah so so we have these two sheep but uh but my partner actually has uh, his whole family were sheep ranchers uh down in the Boonville area of California okay and so he had some experience there and so it wasn't just completely completely new for us (laughs) but definitely chickens and ducks were and pigs were completely new. And we, we tried to purchase this other place that didn't work out for us. And so we ended up moving the whole farm in a U-Haul truck to our current place, Table Bluff Farm in Lolita, and set up three years ago. So in 2017 was when we got here. And ever since then, we've basically been rehabbing this place mm. uh, into a functional farm from a kind of uh, compacted soil, bram- blackberry bramble covered piece of land and it is a micro farm we're only on two acres oh, wow. so it's trying to get the most out of yeah, yeah trying to get the most out of what we what we have so you have to really so, implement some neat uh, different technologies because i mean when we look at the modern agricultural landscape people have hundreds if not thousands of acres we recently re- applied for a grant and we only have 15 acres and she was like well do you have 300 acres and i was like no <laughs> She's like, well, you're not even in the rain <laughs> for us. And I was like, oh, man, that stinks. But it is true. Like, I think generally speaking, that's what people think of when they think of farms. So um, so first of all, I wanted to touch on the fact that your your partner was he was ra- raised in the sheep kind of landscape. How did you decide that you weren't going to just kind of follow in that, I don't know, tradition? There, uh, we had a dream to kind of rehab this, this piece of property and produce all kinds of food for our local community, which is a uh, considered a severely disadvantaged area. We have very from the timber industry collapsing to the fishing industry collapsing to cannabis industry going wacky Mm -hmm. there's there's a a combination of people who have tough time getting by and so we also are in kind of the midst of several sovereign tribal nations and so there's different there's and and the Hmong community there's all these different cultures around us although we are very rural in northern california and so we have a very diverse landscape that we wanted to serve everyone and so our model is that we offer a barrier-free CSA, which makes it so that you don't have to, like a traditional CSA, which is the community-supported agriculture mm-hmm. um, right. or a farm share, like some people refer to it as a farm share. We wanted to have that available to everybody, not just folks who could pay the $800 yeah. upfront for a right. whole season of weekly veggies. And mm-hmm. so we actually offer, a, it's $20 a week. 
uh, mm -hmm. for veggies and flowers and you pay as you go. You sign up for the entire season, but you pay as you go. So for 27 weeks is okay. the season. Yeah. Um, and it's five, $5 extra for pastured eggs. Uh, and then we also offer delivery for folks who either are homebound uh, because of COVID or also just they're busy and they don't have time to come out to the farm or to come to the various right. pickup locations. They, they love having someone just come there. So that was really our dream. And so it, it wasn't really about sheep ranching. It was more about how can we regenerate this piece of land and offer all these various types of, you know, all the uh, pastured protein, the mm -hmm. veggies grown without chemicals and no-till. We are a no-till farm as part of our regenerative practices, which means we don't use rototillers uh, or tractors on our land. We do use our little piglets to help till up, but we can talk about that in a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that was really our dream. It wasn't our dream to, to sheep ranch. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that you're, you mean this diversification makes, it, that is where regeneration happens actually, right? You know, I mean, we can't just have the one thing and expect ultimate healing to, to happen. It's funny because I compare the land to sort of our own health a lot and, and how the more diverse we have in our gut, we talk about this a lot when we're talking about our health, when we have really healthy microbiome and we have all these different things going on and we eat a really diverse diet, uh, we're going to be our healthiest. And that's true on the land too. We've seen that happening and it sounds like that's what you're doing on your property. So what does that look like? How many sheep do you have? How many chickens do you have on two acres? So we actually don't have any sheep at all. We, yeah. we did those sheep and <laughs> we did those sheep. And then uh, we, when we moved to our new property, we actually realized we love pigs. And pigs oh, well, not only, good. yeah, pigs are not only adorable, you know, when you have piglets and, you know, and breed piglets and, and, and sell those, but it also offers uh, a really great source of protein for folks in our CSA to add on. And they also, as I had referred to earlier, they also help us till uh, our pasture, which I had said that was a kind of compacted horse pasture, bran uh, blackberry, brambly, mm -hmm. uh, the areas that had never been planted into for a market garden or flowers. And so we used our piglets since they're not as big as pigs. And so they don't compact the soil as much when they're rooting and laying around and you know yeah. how they do, they wallow and they dig and everything. Um, piglets, they're so much lighter, but they have the same proclivities to go ahead and, and root into the ground and get all those weeds up and aerate the soil. Mm -hmm. And then we move them out and then we move chickens in. Mm -hmm. So we have about, you know, we have a, a number of laying hens about 300 laying hens wow. right now um, that we offer. Yeah, so we offer our eggs to our CSA members mm -hmm. as well as our local, uh, it's called Eureka Natural Foods. It's our okay. local yeah. grocery store that is, uh, you know, offers all organic stuff. So, so that's what it looks like. And then we move our chickens in, they eat all the bugs and they leave all their wonderful fertilizer behind mm -hmm. and then we move them out and so it never it never becomes a spot where everyone's just hanging out for the whole time it's a seasonal moving around and rotating of these animals yeah so 300 birds on two acres sounds like a ton of birds so you're gonna have to keep moving them to keep from destroying like any one given spot right Exactly. Yep. That's the whole thing. And so you'll, uh, you'll paddock off certain areas and keep them within that while the other areas are growing over. We also have trees that we're planting as part of our, a couple of other grants that we've received besides the Kiss the Ground grant. Our Healthy Soils Program grant is giving us uh, money to purchase 
trees like mulberries, which we're planting over the chicken coops, and mm -hmm. that gives them feed right there as all the berries fall into their into their coop, and then also not the coop, but the, their area, mm -hmm. and then uh, also provides great wind block yeah. um, and helps the soil. And so it's all these things in one. So yes, but it is a lot of planning. It's not just just let them all out and kind of go as they as they will so it takes a lot of forethought and we're, we're going to be planting like apple trees and so it's when do we move the pigs under there they can't be under there when you're going to be harvesting the trees but when you're done with harvest they mm -hmm. can go in there and they can eat all those apples fertilize the trees yeah. and then it'll and then it'll be great the next season too yeah oh i love that so we love mulberries we love apples too but mulberries grow really fast and we've gotten a lot of mulberries so if you're looking for a fast growing fruit tree then i definitely recommend mulberries and i think they grow through most of the united states actually too so it's a really good option yeah we saw that yeah so yeah. can you first of all take a step back because you mentioned kiss the ground which i forgot to even mention but we are hosting a screening of the the kiss the ground movie which is coming out and i think it's going to be available for free on netflix if you're a netflix user and if not locally look for a place that's going to be doing a screening but can you tell us about your involvement with Kiss the Ground and what that's looked like for you and your thoughts on all of the things that they're doing? Definitely. We we originally found out about them uh, in 2018 through our friend Connor Murphy, who runs the Schoen Farm, which is Santa Rosa Community College's farm. Okay. Um, and he told us about he told us about this uh, his exact words that this LA hipster organization that was <laughs> putting on a, a, a grant and a program that we might. It sounds like it was right up our alley. <laughs> and so we said, oh, you know, why not? And we looked into it and we're like, well, this is exactly what we are doing. This is what we want. This is what we were trying to enhance with our healthy soils. And so uh, we applied to the grant and we received the farmland program scholarship which enabled us to get into the uh, agrarians class with Darren Doherty, world famous Darren Doherty, who gave us real time expert advice on our specific land and what uh -huh. we can do with it to make it more regenerative. So that was essential, uh, as well as the community that it opened, us to, opened, it, opened right. up to us right. across the world of all different farmers mm -hmm. doing, having the same issues and trying to work together to solve solve these kinds of things. It also gave us access to soil life services in, I, I believe it's in Davis, Northern California. So it was local. It was great. Garrett Long, who owns that, he came up and did our soil samples. Mm -hmm. And so through that program, we also got, I think it was 13 different areas of soil samples so that we can learn how much carbon we're actually sequestering, uh, as well as just our, get it a general view of what our soil health is looking like. So that, um, so, I think beautiful I mean what an, an amazing thing that they're doing I think they're raising this awareness about regeneration and what it can do in terms of carbon sequestration because I think that's something that maybe as a consumer we don't all think about right we think about the nutritional value a lot of times of that that is heightened by you know having free range or having grass fed or all of these different things we think about okay we have a better product at the end that makes us healthier. But but what we maybe don't realize is that in doing this, we actually are doing something for the environment at the same time. Um, and carbon sequestration is a huge piece of that. And I wonder if you would talk about that for just a minute. I think that the film will go in great detail, but if you can just, I mean, what you just said, I think is like, whoo, what are you talking about? So if you can just break it down for us a little bit, that would be really great. So a lot of folks think about when you want to take CO2 out of the atmosphere, a lot of folks talk about not using fossil fuels right. and that's a 
of course, a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. However, when you destroy soil that traditional farming practices do, Mm -hmm. intensive farming practices do, that releases carbon that should be stored within the soil as well. And so I think it's a paradigm shift for folks to not only think about not using fossil fuels, but to think about how their food is grown and produced. Mm. And so carbon sequestration is the more carbon in the in the atmosphere, the hotter it's going to get, basically, is the thing to, to think about. And so that's what's a major contributor to climate change. Right. And so the more carbon that we can sequester in the soil, the less that there's going up into the atmosphere and the hopefully the cooler we can stay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not even just about, it's about the no-till, which you talked about earlier. You know, we want to kind of keep that in and not, not eliminate that topsoil by tilling it. And then it washes away and it, it releases all these gases. But I've read and heard too, that you also, when you create this better um, system, you're actually going to be sucking in like a sponge, some of that carbon at the same time. And so, I mean, you're just going to be doing a better job of what the ground was doing before we started tilling it up and, and kind of releasing this carbon. It was just reabsorbing it all. So um, it's just a really powerful way, a new, new dimension of our food and thinking about what we're eating and how it's impacting not just our health immediately, but also long-term. I think it's just, it's just a beautiful cycle, right? Cycle of, cycle of life. It's beautiful. It is. And when you, when you can harness that, that's the power. And have you been able to see? So, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say another, another thing is that, you know, aside from the the sheep farming that Nick grew up in, his other part of his family was in big ag um, as mm -hmm. almond holers. And so him growing up in that, we wanted to see if we could take two acres and, you know, build something that could be emulated and, and created by everyone because mm -hmm. two acres is not that big. And so if we could create something that's regenerative on this small space and, and prove what we can do here and, you know, in the living that we can make too for ourselves and for the community, then imagine what people could do with yeah. their bigger plots of land. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I think that first of all, what you're doing for your community and providing foods that are healthy and that are improving the environment, but then also teaching them like little steps that they can do to do that for themselves, because you don't have to even dedicate your, your home as a farm, grow, plant a mulberry bush or tree in your, on your property, grow a fig, grow blueberries, you know, instead of planting foreign plants that are pretty plant things that are functional, right. And turn your own home, your own quarter acre or whatever that might look like into a little mini farm and you'll be improving your environment and it's possible. It's totally possible. I love that. I think that's huge because I think a lot of times farmers to farm, you think, oh, I need a hundred acres at least. Right. And that's, you're right. You don't really need that. Exactly. I love that. You really don't. Just with our grants, uh, our healthy soils grant, uh, it was, it's estimated that we are capturing one ton of carbon on just on our place per year. Wow. That's, I don't exactly know what that means, but it sure sounds impressive. That's crazy to have it. It, it, sound, it sounds great to me. Like as long as we are carbon uh, negative, yeah. uh, that is a good number to me. <laughs> it really is. And I mean, I think a lot of times too, we think, oh, well, we can just turn off the lights. We can drive, you know, battery operated cars. We can, you know, there's all these little things that people think they can do. They don't think about, you know, the grass, the lawn that they're living on, how that can actually be a tool for change as well and help to just eliminate some of the 
outputs by bringing them back in, right? And oh, that's huge. I love that. Thank you for sharing because two acres, I think a lot of people live on two acres and that's just, it's a huge deal. So right. I, you have already answered most of my questions just automatically. <laughs> so I love it. It's been a great conversation. That's awesome. <laughs> um, my, I have one question for you too that remains that would be, what would you, ex what would you say to somebody who's like, okay, I don't even know what's the first possible thing for me to do that, you know, maybe it's read a book, watch a movie, plant some specific plant. What would you recommend to somebody who's like, I don't really want to be a farmer, but I do want to get involved. What can I, what can I do? Well, all the things you mentioned are great to do. I would say that because we all need to eat, one of the first things that you can do is find your local farmer who is growing in a regenerative way, who is using animals plants and soil health and the various principles, various principles and practices that are involved with that to make the whole farm ecosystem a better place. And then you will get healthier food from that. You will be a healthier person from that. And our, then our world will be a healthier place if more people are eating healthy food. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I actually think that is one of the outcomes of this whole pandemic is people are kind of looking a little bit more around them and, and seeing, okay, who is my actual community? And if the store doesn't have eggs, then where can I go? So yeah, I hope that you guys are taking those steps and feeling a little bit more self-sufficient that way because you don't have to raise all your own. We can do this together as a community and that's a huge piece. All right. Definitely. So I actually have a question, Hannah, that's totally unrelated. I know you're a farmer and you have a day job too, right? But what do you do to kind of, you know, yes. sense of like stress and I don't know, maybe even a little anxiety or just overworked. What do you do for yourself to help, um, help you relax? That's a great question because I'm sure every farmer out there or even just backyard gardener knows <laughs> what the stress can be to produce okay, yeah. food for yourself yeah. or for someone else. So I think the best thing to, for me to do is to uh, really take the time to just do nothing sometimes. <laughs> and it's rare, you know, it's in between, but uh, all the other things, but to really, you know, not watch TV, right. not even maybe read a book, but really just to, if you like to meditate mm. or if you just want to take a nap. That, that which I, that's what I love to do. Rest, that restorative, uh, just resetting, I just think is so important. It, you don't have to fill your time. I think people always feel like they need to be busy to feel productive and to feel like they're accomplishing a lot and that they're, you know, doing their best in the world, um, especially in a time where it's so hard to just make ends meet. And I just wish people could give themselves permission more to just do nothing or an afternoon that could just, I mean, that could even just be walking on the beach. I mean, that's almost nothing, <laughs> it, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's almost nothing. It's close to nothing as you can get. Yeah. I think that's really important. And that's what I do. I definitely do a lot of that. I also just, you know, a lot of the work here is, um, you know, I'll have to do a lot of work, you know, uh, weeding the flower garden or pruning things in the flower garden. But sometimes I just like to go out and just be in the flowers yeah. and pick a bouquet for myself, mm. you know, because it's just that's something I never get to do. I pick bouquets for all all kinds of other folks, but just have do something nice for yourself is what I would say. However, that however you can do that, you know, pick pick your best tomato and eat that yourself. You know, don't give that to your <laughs> to a customer or something like keep that to yourself because yes. it's, you know, it's, it's the small things sometimes that really help restore you and get you ready for the big stuff. Yeah. 
I love that. Thank you so much, Hana. Thank you so so much for getting on the call and sharing with us. I can't wait to to give all this to our listeners. I think it's very uplifting and hopeful just to think that we can do something so simple with what we have to do anyway. We have to eat, right? We might as well have an impact when we're doing that. So anyway, thank you so much for, for sharing this time with us. Oh, I forgot to say, and everyone, you can stay connected with Hana on, on Instagram and on Facebook. Just look for Table Bluff Farm in both places. Um, and then they have the website as well, which is tablebluffarm.com, right, Hana? Yeah. It is. Okay, good. All right, everyone have a really great one. We'll talk soon.